You're listening to Minutes of Joy, your go-to holistic wellness podcast. In this episode, you get to hear from Somet, a tech enthusiast, as we delve into building startups and developer ecosystems and navigating the role of wellness in corporate spaces through work-life integration. You can catch previous episodes of this podcast on your preferred listening platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Somat Kichilat. I am a tech enthusiast, a digital native based in Nairobi, Kenya. I'm excited to be on the Minutes of Joy podcast. Hi there, I'm your host, Essie Biagon, and welcome to Minutes of Joy podcast. Here we get to have introspective conversations on various topics around holistic wellness with the goal of improving your overall well-being. Today, I am joined by Mr. Somet Kipshilat, a tech guru slash enthusiast who has peer-headed the startup and developer ecosystem in Africa on critical issues such as access, skills, privacy, security, and accessibility. He has also been invited to speak across the globe in a number of conferences and industry events as a professional speaker. Welcome, Somet. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Introduce yourself a bit so that our listeners can get to know you. Yeah, sure. Thank you for, for having me here. Um, as you said, my name is Somet. I have spent the last eight years working for a small company you might have heard of called Microsoft. It's small, small, <laughs> small, nothing big. Yeah, um, <laughs> but over the last eight years, I've been there, been building Microsoft startup and developer ecosystem across the continent. Uh, beyond that, I am a tech enthusiast. I'm trying YouTube, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I love all and everything that is tech. That's really dope. Yeah. And thank you for coming. Such a pleasure having you. We'd like our listeners to get to know you a bit more. Uh, what? Tell us a, a funny story about your childhood that maybe your family keeps on telling in family gatherings of something you used to do as a baby or as a child. Okay, so there's this <laughs> funny story. So a lot of people don't know this, but mm. I actually have a twin brother. Mm. And there's this funny situation where once my brother was asked for his birthday mm -hmm. and he refused to say, but when he was asked my birthday, <laughs> he actually <laughs> said it. And so there's a running joke amongst my friends about that. Uh, so, yeah, most people don't know this, but I actually do have a twin brother yeah. who people now say to me that I sound like him. So yeah. the people who know him might think this is him on the podcast, yeah. guys. It's, it's so mad, guys. It's so mad. Let's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, yeah. Hopefully, we'll have him on. Yeah, we'll, sure. We'll we'll listen to this and be like, yeah. yeah. You're welcome, Sombo, when you come to the <laughs> two minutes of joy. Um, okay. So, you have traveled the world. Yeah. That must have had an impact in your taste of many things, including food. Uh, let us know what, what, what do you like? Uh, what cuisine? What foods? Okay. So, I. So as much as I've traveled and I've tried a lot of very, very interesting cuisines, I find myself tending to stick to the same things. Um, and usually how I judge a restaurant is by how good the steak is. So most of the time, if I go to any restaurant, I'll almost always order a steak just to you know, try and figure out you know, where, how good are they at making steak. Um, if it's a seafood restaurant, I'll probably do sushi or salmon. 
um, in some cases, I might try something different, but I have tried the weirdest cuisines you you, you can think of. Um, everything from raw meat to pigeons to, yeah, people have very interesting taste buds out here. Yeah, yeah, me, we just, me, I like to keep it safe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> things that I know. <laughs> yeah, but I'm an yeah. avid fan of seafood. Yeah. I, I, I have a love and hate relationship with sushi. Mm. Yeah. I think ev- almost everyone does, kind of, because it's like, uh, do we, is it raw fish? Um, I wish about it. <laughs> no, but you mean you had uh, lunch yeah, once? We uh, had lunch. And, and I liked sushi. it. So I was actually yeah. pleasantly, yeah. pleasantly surprised. I think people sometimes get very scared of trying new things. And so you're always pushing away. You're like, ah, sushi. Yeah. Maybe it's not a thing. But I always tell people, try. Try. You never know what you might find. That's true. Yeah. You are a tech guru. You love everything tech has it always been like that as a child where did that interest start if you can remember um i i think guessing when you're a child you try and experiment with a lot of things and i think it was you know so my mom was at some point bought one of these very old you remember the old white computers with a very big monitor Right, and you used to sit in her room, and so we'd have to ask for permission to actually use it. Um, and I think it was just a fascination of what is this thing that my mom won't let me actually touch. Um, but eventually, you know, as I grew up, m- my parents actually got me and my brother one. And what used to happen is I used to tear that thing apart, right? Open up and try and figure out what is this thing? What are all these cables in there? What do they work? And I think I got it from one of my neighbors who then, I think, you know, older than me, was a tech guy, you know, used to run his own movie shop, so had all sorts of tech gadgets in his house. And I I was really inspired by that. But on the flip side, I wasn't good at it. I didn't know how this thing worked. And I think that curiosity is what actually brought my sort of uh, love for technology. And then I think as as I got older and got into high school, um, it, it, that actually had an influence on what subject I chose in high school. So I chose to study computers. And mm. I, to be honest, I wasn't good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I remember Form 1, I was bottom of my class, yeah. failed almost all the exams. But I don't know, something in the middle there, uh, I think when I got to my second form, um, our teachers one very interesting guy. Um, then I think he was building core banking systems. So half of the time in class, he was busy working on that project instead of teaching us. And I was mm. always curious, what what is this? What, what is, is this he guy? Doing? What is he doing? Yeah. And so he exposed me to that, mm-hmm. and then I started reading. Mm. I, and then I, I, to be honest, I was not the best in school, mm. and that just something that sparked my interest. So if you actually look at my high school records, yeah, I excelled a lot in English because uh, my mother used to make us do crosswords and read all sorts of books. Yeah, uh, English and computers, good at it. So mm. by the time I hit my third form. Mm. The entire syllabus from Form 1 all the way till Form 4 was in mm. my head. In fact, when I got to campus, mm. the first exam in computer science that you get to do is yeah. something called Introduction to Computer Applications. Yes. And that's just an ex- exam around Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. I did that paper in 15 minutes flat. So I walk up to my lecturer, hand him the paper, mm. and saying, I'm done. He's like, there's no way you've done that. Now, everybody in class turned around and expected my brother to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys are in the yeah, same class. Yeah, coincidentally. Wait, so me and my twin brother. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been in the same schools from primary, secondary, yeah. um, all the way to university. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were in the same class for a couple of years, and then he did we something else. Different. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Mm. Okay, and it's in, in university actually where you went back to start programs. Yeah, mm. so in high school, uh, you know, you get an introduction to programming and I used to do applications in Visual Basic, which is a way of writing uh, software. Um, and I left high school thinking, you know what, I've got this worked out, I, I know everything in tech, until you get to university and you start doing things like Catalyst or data structures and algorithms, and then you realize you have no idea what you're doing. That pushed me to the limit. It pushed me to say, okay, let's figure out what more is, what more can be done. I got to university and, you know, you get exposed to a whole other different world. You start learning data structures, algorithms, which by till today, that's what people use to interview for tech companies. Um, but in there, I then got forced out of my introvert introvertedness by the f different friends I met. And I did everything. I started running events. Um, me and my friends built the first what was called a JQuart Linux user group. We then built the .NET community. So being exposed and trying to run all sorts of events and, and tech really now exposed me to what's out there. And I think that's when I first got introduced to Microsoft, which I eventually got to work for. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about working at Microsoft and that how that experience was like for you, uh, especially the first few years just getting into Microsoft. Actually, even before that, uh, did you work elsewhere? How was that career trajectory like? Yeah. Okay. So, fun story. So, when I was in university, uh, there was a group of engineers from, well, not engineers, but a team from Microsoft that was going down around different universities, um, talking to students about building software and being a developer. My first exposure to tech in the industry. However, um, I attended the session, but it was fun and interesting. So right around the time I had left university, I had started volunteering. So because I met a bunch of the guys at Microsoft, they're like, hey, so Matt, so there's this programs that we run going around university. And I was always curious, because I'd run communities, that became a very natural fit for me. So I'm like, hey, guys, since you're going down different universities, yeah. do you mind carrying me along? I just want to learn. And so for a whole year, in my last year in university, I was busy volunteering. And oh, so that's wow. the, side of, the side of my career no one knows about. Yeah. I did a lot of volunteer work. So I went around a lot of universities uh, talking about how to build apps on Windows Phone, which unfortunately is no more, but it's was then right. one of the best. Yeah, I had um, one platform. actually. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I used to have like six of them on me at any one go, which was <laughs> a fun thing to, to have to in have campus. To have that, yeah. yeah. But then I, I, I got a chance to intern at very funny, interesting companies. So mm. I interned at a marketing agency. Mm. And I, there's maybe like two or three people who know about that. Yeah. So I did a stint at a marketing agency. Yeah. Um, I worked for a company that did supplies for industrial places. So if you have an industrial production line and you need spare parts, the guys would supply those. Mm. I worked at a company that sold bulbs. So yeah, you told me you told me about that one. Yeah, so yes. I, I, the times I sit in a room and I can tell things like color, temperature. I can tell yeah. you which bulb. You know everything which, about bulbs. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. When I joined Microsoft, I joined what was then called the Developer Experience Team. Mm -hmm. I did that for about eight months, and one of the coolest projects I ever got to work on was the Windows 10 launch, which I happened to meet the Microsoft CEO. Mm -hmm. It was actually happening in Kenya. Mm. I left Microsoft and I went and sold bulbs. So let me tell you guys, I have sold enough bulbs in this night. 
<laughs> yeah, and that I think just that just goes to show that you kind of have to pay your dues to a certain extent before getting into now the career trajectory that you think you would want yeah. to. Uh, and it teaches you a lot. Like, yeah. um, you know, I start my career eight months in, you know, you're in Microsoft, it's exciting. You know, you get paid really well. You get exposed to a lot of things. You live the good life. And mm. then, you know, one day they say, okay, cool. So your contract is over. Um, and then reality checks in. And yeah. you have to go and figure out how to survive, how mm. to build life. And so that that transition into different industries mm-hmm. really taught me a lot about businesses, how people think, how, mm. you know, the realities of the different worlds. Mm. Um, and then luckily enough, I got a chance to join Microsoft again after about eight months. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there for eight years after that. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, I can imagine the, the work that you were doing was quite taxing at the time. How were you able to balance, if there's anything, if there's any such thing as balance between work and having a social life? Did you have a social life? Was there any sort of balance? <laughs> <laughs> so, Talasi, uh, I was telling this to someone the other day. Mm. People say work-life balance. I think it's more of work-life integration. Mm-hmm. So early in my career, when I, when I went back to Microsoft, mm. I think I built a lot of my social circles around the people that I worked with. Yeah. And I think that's one of the very interesting um, experiences that I got privileged to have mm. was to build social my social life a lot around a lot of different people of different cultures so i had friends in all sorts of places so, so mm. when i first joined microsoft i had a team of um, what were then called technical evangelists mm-hmm spread out all across Africa. And so one of my responsibilities was managing people from different countries. So I have a Mm -hmm. team of 13 interns Mm. sitting across different countries we've never met. In fact, for some of them till today, we've never met. Um, They're those who I worked with for at least six years before I ever met them. And so Mm -hmm. you get to interact with different cultures, different kinds of people, Mm -hmm. and it really has a whole different uh, uh, effect on how you socialize. Yeah. But also on the other hand, I think I dived really deep into the work that I did because mm. I absolutely loved it. Mm. Let me tell you, I, I was one of those people who looked forward to Mondays, right? Mm-hmm. It's because work was fun. Yeah. It was really exciting. And I had a manager who allowed me to do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to understand how marketing works. Please, okay. knock yourself out. Yeah. You want to go and understand how the sales side works? Knock yeah. yourself out. Yeah. So you, you kind of get exposed to a lot of things, and I built my social mm. circles around that, mm. which means it my world didn't just revolve around the people that I was in campus with. Mm. And so a lot of my friends looked at me as, okay, so now you think because you got a good job, you're bigger yeah, than yeah, us, yeah, right? Yeah. But for me, I was yeah. there because work was exciting. Yeah, and I, maybe just to even, I think that kind of environment, that kind of work environment is very rare to get for someone to actually say they enjoyed work. Uh, so maybe just touch on that a bit, on just having a con- uh, like a good working environment that allows you and just, we were talking about it actually just, just now with you just before this, having an opportunity to work with people who see you as a like-minded, um, having bring a lot of value into the company, and what does that does to your growth? 
Yeah, you're perfectly right. That mm. work environment is very rare. Mm. I see now that uh, more harshly with the different companies that I now interact with. Mm. Early on, you know, there's all the 13 people spread across Africa and I had a manager here in Nairobi. Mm. And you had a work environment where you were allowed to try. Yeah, We had a license to experiment. Mm. And so we did all sorts of different things. And I had a very interesting team structure, right? Mm. I was the youngest person on my team, mm -hmm. but then our boss was also younger, but had way older people in her team. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she had at least four people who had yeah. clocked 26, 20 to 26 years in the company, yet she'd only clocked about four or five years in that company. Yeah. And so you work in that dynamic where you have somebody, there was someone on my team who started working in Microsoft when I was six years old treats me like his peer and he, yeah. I, I learn let me tell you you learn a lot from them yeah. so they don't look at you as this junior person who, who's, just coming. Who, who's just a kid running around the office yeah. but they look at you as hey you've been hired to do a job yeah can I help make you successful yeah and and so you get to learn from all sorts of people very interesting experiences mm. and I will uh, thank God today, mm. that is a privilege that not many people get. For sure. And it ch completely changes how you view the work environment. And yeah. I think that's why I really loved what I did. Mm -hmm. I had amazing people around me. Mm -hmm. I had amazing teams and I had an environment to really thrive mm. in my career. Yeah. yeah. And when you say uh, having people like that, I'm sure at one point you thought about having a mentor. And if you did what at what point did that come and how what role did they play and what role are they playing even now and what type of mentors do you have so my mentors are, uh, they weren't necessarily official mentors mm. but they were people that i got to interact with from yeah. all walks of life yeah and they'll teach a very a thing or two right so mm -hmm. uh, props to some of them so i'll give you a good example mm. i worked who then was our cto a gentleman mm. uh, born and raised in uganda but mm. lived in the u.s mm. but worked in kenya mm. so there was actually a point where he was working u.s time in kenya so when we are awake he's also in the u.s but very much awake yeah but ivan taught me a lot about people and mm. how to interact with people. So there are times in my career where, you know, you get into tough situations or very mm. awkward situations with people who are more authority than you. Yeah. And so one of the things and taught me was how to handle situations like that. Yeah. Um, he taught me how to be able to understand mm -hmm. where that other person is coming from. For a very long time, I never had a manager in the same country. So one of the things you learn really, really fast mm -hmm. is how to be able to manage yourself, how to be yeah. able to manage your time. And then how to, how do you work with people who are of a completely different culture? You probably never get to meet for most of the year, mm -hmm. but you have to find a way to work with them. And mm -hmm. so understanding people's personalities, where mm -hmm. they're coming from, how do you interact with them? Mm -hmm. How do I work with people who are very senior in the company? One mm -hmm. of the interesting things about my job is I got to work with very senior people. Mm -hmm. I think in my lifetime I've met at least uh, a third of Microsoft's senior leadership team, so all the people who report to the CEO. Yeah. They've been to Nairobi at least once or twice, yeah. and I got to host some of them, and you, and it changes how you think, how think, you perceive yeah, leadership, yeah, yeah. how do you perceive authority, yeah. but also how to make sure that you're able to relate with people. Completely yeah. changes how you think. How you think. And, uh, and what I'm getting from what you're saying is mentors, I think when you talk about mentors, we think that they're people who are older or a mentor can actually be just someone who your colleague for example um and just putting yourself in situations where you 
open yourself up to learning just gives you that opportunity to actually get yeah. better yourself. One of the interesting things I have learned is that you should always be open to learn from anyone. Yeah. You'd be surprised at how much you can learn from a child. Yeah. Right? A lot True. of people as you said, they think a mentor has to be old and experienced. I had teammates who were way younger than me. Yeah. But you learn a, a thing or two from them, yeah. right? Yeah. I had teammates who were way older than me uh, you know and you hear a lot of people talk about the generational gap in the workplace mm-hmm. i had people who started working in that company not formal working but in that company when yeah. i was six years old yeah and you people would have a very different perspective on them but you'd be surprised at what you could learn from them yeah yeah what were some of the challenges that you encountered working um, yeah. So um, I think what comes to mind is pressure. So one of the things that no one ever prepares you for is being in a high, a, a highly paced work environment really forces you to change wh- how you operate, right? And so growing up, going through high school, going through university, you know, it's a very relaxed environment. And then you get into a work environment like that and things are moving fast yeah. right i remember the first few days you know you come in and somebody's already asking me okay so what are we doing what are the projects we're working on i'm mm-hmm. like oh, I'm, 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 i have no idea where to start mm. right and so that sort of work environment really keeps you on your toes now remember yeah. also i didn't have a manager in country and so i had to figure out really fast how do i get the work that i'm supposed to do mm-hmm. and be able to perform because and i loved how the company did it they had a very interesting way of making sure that as much as i work remotely which i know a lot of people right now in the covid world are struggling with yeah but this stuff the company had figured out a long time ago Before. how do you get people to work remotely but also very fast mm. one of the pressures i started putting on myself mm-hmm. was at how fast i grew right mm-hmm. and so i had a a group of teammates who are living large living well they had they were doing all these things very senior titles and so i started pacing myself against them and mm. so and also the earnings were really good and so i started putting pressure on myself on why am i not at their level mm-hmm. why am i not living life the way these guys are doing yeah. why am i not growing as fast mm-hmm. right and that took a very bad toll on me yeah, and, and so i started beating myself up on why am i not where i should be yeah. and that's not a good place to be how did you do you navigate that clearly was help from my mentors one of the cool things i love about the company was that your manager was solely responsible for who you were as a person your career growth and and sort of how you well you were in the company and they were very key about wellness so wellness is something i've seen a lot of companies starting to think about post covid yeah this is stuff that was ingrained in the company culture from the get go so yeah, yeah. my manager sitting in egypt there was no way he was going to sit there and get me to perform when i'm not mentally okay, okay. right yeah. and so he took it upon himself to to help me navigate that mm. uh, and that's a thing i loved in the company that yeah. it was and it wasn't just your manager's responsibility it was the entire team so it was very key for our director to make sure that everybody was okay right yes there's the work part of it but also you have to be okay as a person for you to be able to work optimally you have to be okay and so uh, you know they did everything 
making sure that they created an environment that allowed you to be open about the things that you're going through, right? And I, and I love my manager for that, that she created that very safe environment that I didn't feel like she was such a high authority that I couldn't speak to her, that I could rock up to her office and say, hey, I'm not feeling okay, can I take some time off? And it wasn't about, oh, how many leave days do you have? It was take as much time as you need uh, and go and do that, right? Uh, and I love that about the company, right? Yeah. It, it really was key about wellness. And, it, and if you think about it, if you're running a business at that scale with thousands and thousands of employees, you need to find a very interesting way of making sure people are okay. Yeah. Um, and I say this because in, in a work environment, you meet people of different characters, different perspectives, different way they handle things. Um, and so you find all sorts of crazy things. And if you notice, if you pay attention to how these big companies recruit, they're more key, keen about your personality than and skills. Are, yeah, that has changed over the years. And yeah. I think when you talk about wellness, I think wellness has been incorporated into companies very recently. And uh, in Kenya, it's something that we are still we are still we still have a very long way to go yeah and uh, a lot of organizations are doing it as a checkbox that oh we have yeah. wellness days check, check. we have given trainings, you a, we have yeah, done trainings yeah. check. check but, but it's it has not to go beyond that it has to go and go down to that person it has to be a, a human perspective yeah and um guys are most of the millennials and gen z actually opting out of employment currently we are in more of a gig economy working for yourself kind of uh, time because people really do, dis do not want to work for for an employer. And I think a lot has to be done. And as you said, I think uh, a lot of people can learn, a lot of employers can learn from that to actually take interest, genuine interest, not just because it's something that has to be done into, into wellness. Because that plays a very huge role in even the output that you put out as, a, as an individual. So yeah, that's. I think it's really interesting to to hear that you had an environment like that one. No wonder you loved your job. I did. Very few, very few people can say they love their jobs. Very, very yeah. few. <laughs> um, and and the wellness thing, you know, it it really also matters person to person, right? Yeah. Uh, and so as much as you might build it as an as a process or a, a mm. practice in your company, yeah, not everyone will adopt it. So mm. you know, uh, let me not paint a picture that it was a perfect place to work. Yeah. You know, there was a good side, the really the amazing side yeah, of it, and there was also yeah. the negative side of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and companies change their cultures, and I think it took me being there long enough for me to realize. Mm -hmm. that there's all these dynamics going on. So I was saying, so early in my career, I, you know, you get very focused on getting work done and yeah. you, you really don't pay attention to politics. The longer you stay in a company, you start realizing, okay, so this is how things work. These are the politics. These are the dynamics. Mm -hmm. And you have to find interesting ways to navigate it yeah. um, and not necessarily be a contributor to that, right? And, yeah. and I think the, the, the more mature I got over the years, the more you start realizing that these things have always been around. It's just that mm -hmm. they're probably... Either you had a good manager who shielded you, and, and I that. did. I had a good manager <laughs> who shielded a lot of those pol yeah. politics that were going on from me because she was focused mm -hmm. on we need to get things done, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's, and you'll see that in every workplace. You know, there's yeah. there's workplaces you go into, and that's where you hear a lot of young people talk about toxic work environments. Mm. It's you get into a place where 
people are trying to prove who they are. They're not there to do their job. Yeah. In fact, let me use a quote that one of my managers once told me. Mm-hmm. Said to me, I do not like people who are busy trying to build empires instead mm-hmm. of working. Mm. So you'd find you're in a team where every other person is trying to build an empire. They're trying to yeah. show that, you know, I can do this or I am this person. They, and they completely forget that we all as a team have a common goal. So they're not there to work. Yeah. They're busy building an empire. And that's yeah. why you find toxic work environments. It's mm. because um, people are not critical about who you hire. People, and, and, and I was going back to talking about how people hire. These big companies, they focus a lot about personality. So they look at, who you are as a person, how do you handle conflict, how do you work with people. Mm-hmm. A lot of employers today just hire people based on what's on your CV or mm-hmm. the skill that you can do. Yeah. And then you have situations where you have somebody who's amazing, they're amazing at their job, skills-wise, yeah. very good, but they're most atrocious characters horrible you will ever, being. horrible <laughs> human beings. And so yeah. you, you put that person as a manager, mm. they start building an empire, right? Yeah. And so if you, the junior employee down here, don't fit into that empire, or oh, trust me, they're going to frustrate you out of that job. Yes. That's why young people mm. are leaving jobs. That's yeah. why young people are going into gig economy. Working for, you, for yourselves, yeah. The negative side of that, I'm not hating on anyone, mm. But I always tell people, go and make mistakes on someone else's time and money. Go and understand what it means to build a business before you go running to try and start your own. Because if you look at a lot of the startups, because that's the space I played in, Mm. a lot of them are recent graduates who jumped from university, couldn't get a job or in a toxic work environment, straight into running their own business. Yeah, for sure but never understand what it means to build a company, what it means to manage people. So they go out there, build their own companies, and guess what? They become the toxic managers. <laughs> they become the toxic companies. Because you've never had that experience. You only you don't know, know, what, you know. To, what it feels to be overworked, to be underpaid, to go or to You've never managed a team you've before. never managed. That's so true. You're a 20-year-old uh, CEO with five people under you yeah. who are probably in their 30s. They have kids. They have relationships. Yeah. And so you have no context of how do I make sure that this person can work efficiently, but mm-hmm. also create an environment where they're able to deal with their issues. Yeah. Some guy told me the other day mm-hmm. was that if you have a ten, team of 10 people, count 10 days of the month where at least one person for those 10 days have a crisis. How do you handle that? So if you're a young person, you've gone to start your own startup, you've never worked for anyone, mm-hmm. then you have 10 people who have crisis. How do you handle that? So let's say as much as people don't like this, mm-hmm. go work. It, yeah. it can be toxic, but if you have the the self-awareness mm. to be able to g- go through that, mm-hmm. pick what you can from that company, mm. learn, and, and and now grow from that. And what you just said, f- to be able to learn, you have to have a certain experience. It's those experiences that enable you to be self-aware, to learn that there is such a thing as a toxic work environment so that you can uh, navigate from there. And one thing that people don't realize is that work is very much part of wellness. It's a, an opportunity for you to go and have an output for your creativity, for what you know, for your knowledge. So if the environment isn't, everyone needs to work. You need to work to even feel good about yourself because you feel like this this is something I'm putting out to the world with someone who's benefiting from whatever I'm doing. So if that, if you, if we have, uh, we have not enabled people to have that kind of an environment to work, then it affects their mental health. you, You get into depression, you meet a harsh boss, that affects 
how you feel about yourself, your self-worth. And it's also very important to not make, with, like with wellness, the thing about wellness is that it's, it entails a number of things that have to be balanced. So if one is more than the other, then it affects the other ones. So if you're working too much, so they're talking about work balance. If you're working too much, of course, it's affecting social life. If you're if you're too if you're working out too much, even working out too much, you don't have time for family. So it it's a cycle that has to be balanced. So what you're saying is very 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 true. When we talk about work and with every other thing in life, there are transitions. You have this. It comes to a point where you have to something has to change. You have to move somewhere else. Have you experienced that and how has that been? How has, have the different transitions of work been and how did you handle that? Yeah. So I'll start with a quote that one of my managers told me. The day this organization stops giving you the opportunity to do the things that you're passionate about mm-hmm. is a very good sign to leave. I have a very interesting understanding that a lot of people work to not necessarily for their passions, mm-hmm. they're working to for a paycheck, right? Yeah. Like if you look at the actual dictionary definition of work, it's exchanging your time for money. Yes. And so sometimes we get so caught up in that, we completely forget ourselves in it. And that's why you find situations where people overwork themselves or people mm-hmm. burn out or people take things that are work-related very personally, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so you get into this very murky situations. Mm-hmm. I made a conscious choice a couple of months ago to resign from my job for a number of reasons. I got to a point where I had to look at where am I? Who am I as a person? I have to put myself first. There's a manager who once told me, this company will take away everything from you, your life, your wife, your health, your children. (laughs) You have to figure out what you're getting out of it. And I think I got to that point where after eight years of very intense work and if you look at the work environment that I had, it was very, very, very intense. Mm-hmm. If you look at the experience that I, I probably compressed 20 years of worth of work experience into a very short time. Mm-hmm. And so I got to a point where I said to myself, so let's look at who am I as a person? What's my identity? Um, because I got to a point where it w- no one ever looked at me as an individual. Yeah. Everybody looked at me as a factor of my job. Right. And so my own identity got completely lost in the company and that had has its own net effects. Mm-hmm. But I think me making the conscious decision to say, you know what, maybe it's time I focus on me. So I, I September to, of 2021, mm-hmm. I decided to resign from my job mm-hmm. and I took a three month break. Mm-hmm. This three months break was very intentional just to detach completely and just also to heal from all the pains that you get because let me not lie to anyone any work environment will be tough it's never a smooth place to be and you just have to find the right balance Mm -hmm. to be able to go through it and so those all these pains and 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 disappointments that you go through and they really do affect you right Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when it gets to a point where that hurt is visible on your face you meet people and they can easily tell this guy is hurt it's not a good place to be in. Mm-hmm. And so those three months were very intentional for me to go and say, you know what, let me take a break. Let me relax. Let me get my mental state back to a good place because I realized that even it completely even affected, one, not only how I related with people, the relationships I was in, but also even how I worked, right? I go to a place where I'm doing bare minimum at work. I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, 
Yeah. Another day. Another day, mm. right? And and the, the funny thing about the work, the work, the place that I worked is no no one followed you up, right? If yeah. I decided not to show up at the office for a month, yeah, mm. no one's gonna follow you up. Mm. But I realized I was I was getting into this very nasty rabbit hole that was not good. So mm. I decided to take three months off, take a break, and then figure out you know how do I go from there. Yeah, and that transition is not easy. It's not easy, and I think just I I can imagine the mind shift mind mindset shift that you had to do the courage that it took uh but i think your the self-awareness uh, self-awareness bit is so important and i think it's so courageous that you decided to take that step uh to 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 take a rest and not so many people do that where at what at what point did the self-awareness what do you feel at what point did the self-awareness yeah. come about so it's never uh oh today i am self-aware right yes. it, it takes a long time and in fact my mental awareness actually didn't had nothing to do with work it all started from personal relationships so i i, I went through a very uh, a few toxic relationships right yeah. and it, you get to a point where you start completely questioning your entire existence mm. you know the points i'd sit down and ask myself am i the one who's going mad mm-hmm. you know you start doubting yourself and that self doubt if you're not careful it takes you into a very nasty rabbit hole right yeah. and so going through those experiences mm. um being the in the nerd that i am or like an engineer you know if something is broken put two wires together fix let's it. go fix it right yes. <laughs> i started asking myself okay cool i don't understand how these things work let me go study so yeah. what did i do <laughs> I went and did an entire course on social psychology. Um, I can under- <laughs> I understand you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the interesting things that um, that that did to me was it gave me a whole different perspective to things. So the mm. things that I went through that just didn't make sense to me yeah. now started making sense to me. Yeah. And one of the things that I recommend for anyone out there is to go through therapy. Mm. Now I always tell people therapy is not a therapist's job is not there to diagnose you and tell you oh you have this problem and here's a solution. Yeah. Their job is to help you ask yourself the questions that you would never ask yourself. The hard questions. The hard questions. Yeah. Right? And so I went through therapy and it really pushed me to to my limits just to continuously ask myself So in this case I was in a very bad relationship, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. relationships are a two-way thing. It's never a one-way thing. Yeah. A therapist asked me one day, "So you've told me about all these very, you know, bad things, things. that have happened in your relationship, but you're pointing a finger. Have you sat down to ask yourself what your contribution to those are?" Mm. And you know, at, at first, you know, it doesn't make sense and until like, you go sit down yeah. and you're okay, actually, by the way, what is my contribution to making these relationships not work mm-hmm. and i realized that i had my own demons that i needed to deal with i had my own um traumas from when i was a kid that i had to deal with and and understanding childhood trauma came from learning psychology because mm-hmm. i actually also did a, a part of that course you also study child psychology 
and understanding that those there's a couple of things that you do as an adult mm. that completely stem from your childhood and most of us by they have n- you will never you have no never idea. realize it yeah right yeah. Uh, and so going through therapy studying psychology you know you get to understand a lot more about yourself and therapy pushes you to really ask yourself those tough questions mm. and i think that experience and and by the way this is not long ago this is maybe 2 or 3 years ago mm. if you ask my friends the person that i was 4 years ago and now completely different, different. yeah and it changes everything about you how you perceive things how you interact with people the the things that you do every day mm. and so even today when i see very very not so interesting situations i'll give a good example as i see things that my family goes through mm. i'm able to have a very different perspective your outlook changes it changes it so changes. i'm not there also joining the bandwagon in blaming people for no, things no, or no. pointing fingers at yeah. people but also taking a step back and asking myself put myself in the shoes of you that person you get a very good understanding of other people as well exactly. and and i think uh, from that self awareness is the self awareness now brought came into the work environment and you're able to actually see whether or not you're happy and whether or not it's beneficial anymore mm. and now i think uh that assisted in making the yeah. the changes because that transition took at least a year from the day and you know that your brain has a very interesting way of telling you things like a whole year in advance my brain started telling me it's time to leave But of course then there's there's a comfort that you already have mm-hmm. first there's a comfort zone that you're in as a person as your identity and who you are as a person then there's a comforts that come with work the, the comforts that come with money the, the security the lifestyle and yeah. those are the hardest things to get over mm-hmm. right and because a lot of us live in fear of the unknown right I, I myself struggle with that. In yeah. fact, it's something I still struggle with right now yeah. in transitioning from where I am, mm. right? Uh, and so that fear of the unknown is is what sort of gets you into this comfort zone where so that's why you find also the people who are in toxic work environments or in toxic relationships mm. and would still stay there. Yeah. So that transition is I I was telling you it's not the tough it's not the easiest thing to mm. do. I think courage helps a lot but also understanding who you who are you as a are. person and being yes. self-aware yeah. will really really help. And it's totally worth it. Oh, it is worth it. I, I always tell people it is the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Because and, and not because the company was bad, mm. but I needed to sit down and figure out me. Yes. Could uh, amazing. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> add anything. <laughs> yeah. So What are some of the wellness practices that you have? Okay. Currently. So this can be if taken out of context can be very bad advice. Yeah. Um I always tell people it's never that serious. Mm-hmm. Right? And this comes from me pressure younger me pressuring myself to be who I am not mm. or me trying to fit into societal norms around how people do things, how the lifestyles that people live, mm. your social media pressures it's never that serious yeah mm-hmm. i don't have to be the next ceo right oh, yeah. i don't have to be that person on social media who's trending or who people know i don't have to walk into a room and everyone knows me right mm-hmm. it's never that serious yeah right if it's uh, you have a nasty boss it's never that serious you don't have to bring your life to a complete standstill because, because you have a bad manager yeah. you have to figure out a way to navigate that situation and mm-hmm. that takes mm-hmm. a lot of self awareness to do mm. right so so for me it's 
always looking at life of, in a sense of it's never that serious, yeah. right? The company you work for will not collapse simply because you did not show up at work for one day. It won't. Right? It, mm. will not, it will not. In fact, if you don't show up enough times, they will actually replace you. So yeah. it's never that serious. Yeah. A lot of people take the things that happen to them either in work situations or in bad situations and make it very personal. personal. It becomes yes. a very personal thing. thing. Mm. But the minute you're being able, you're able to be self-aware to say, hey, maybe this is just someone else reflecting their insecurities on me. Or you have friends who constantly bash you down. And sometimes it's just, take the classical, and I think there's something that you learn in psychology, mm-hmm. bullying. A lot, I know a lot of us you, went through bullying, yeah. right? But what you what you soon realize the older you get, that bullies are just people reflecting their insecurities on yeah, you. Yeah, they're just projecting. Yeah. And I think that's what getting to know yourself does. You you extend grace. You get to understand where people are coming from. You get to know yourself. And of course, as you said, it's a journey. Today you're okay. Today yourself. Okay, we're always self-aware. I think yeah. the 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 thing that remains constant in wellness or in in, in self-improvement is that the self-awareness is constant, but you can always regress. You can always. It's very easy to go back. But once you have that self-awareness, mm-hmm. you have the ability to get up or just remind yourself that this is what yeah. I need to do. The other practice that I have is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cutting yourself some slack. Cut yourself some um, slack. I always tell people, when, when you ask a surgeon about, say, doing a surgery, mm-hmm. to them it's a very normal thing. To you it's a very big thing, right? Yeah. And so sometimes we beat ourselves up, mm-hmm. yet we're doing such an amazing job. We yeah. forget to say thank you to ourselves. Mm. We forget to take a break, right? Every time I can't sleep for two days, I know I'm stressed, I will take a drive somewhere. I'll go to Shags for like two days. Yeah, right? Shags does it. Me, I don't know who <laughs> don't have. Shags yeah. does it for I think me it's just taking yourself out of that environment of and completely just, yeah. you know, distracting yourself with something else yeah. and you realize that, you know, it does a lot of good for you. Those breaks are important yeah. yeah amazing as we wind up uh you have traveled the world you have gone to different places how has that shaped your way of thinking uh your mindset yeah and how was how are the travels you know these things not everyone gets <laughs> to do them you may just want to live vicariously through you <laughs> traveling for work and traveling for leisure are two different very things. different things uh, right yeah. and so people used to in fact there are people who believed i did not live in this country there are people who believe that i because there was a time i was never here for more than two weeks right mm-hmm. what most people didn't ever know that mm-hmm. i was never out of the country for more than a week ever I think it was only once I was in the U.S. for two weeks, mm-hmm. but I was always going for three days somewhere coming back. In fact, there was a week I did five countries, which is a whole other story that I will tell later. Mm. But traveling does a thing to you. Okay, mm-hmm. so on one side, mm-hmm. traveling for work gets crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. You know, the first few times it's exciting. It's fun. I'm like, like Ooh, yeah, we're going to a new country. <laughs> yeah. And then... You you do it enough times and you get to a place. And I'm considering, I, I still try and convince myself I'm an introvert. Mm. But you get to those situations where, um, and I remember, I will never forget this. Mm. There's this time I am in Germany, mm. but my mental state is so bad that mm-hmm. I, I barely had an idea of what Germany looked like, right? It mm. was, I, I get to Germany, I get to my hotel. I stay in my room until I know, okay, I have this meeting. I go shop for my meeting and I'm happy, excited. I will speak at an event and then go back to my room and yeah. sleep and do nothing, right? Because I'm, I'm just like, 
I, I'm, I tired. Don't have, I'm tired. Yeah. I, and then remember, traveling, it's not that my work stops. I still have a ton load of emails. You still have work to do. Okay. So on one side, it's, so it's business tiring. travel, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's, it's also a privilege and it's fun because it exposes you to a whole different world and completely changes how you think. Yeah. I always say to people, I've had the privilege and then I say it's a privilege because this mm. is something not everyone even in Microsoft as big as it is mm. this is not some, something everyone gets mm-hmm. the opportunity to travel mm. and I mean travel like there are places that I went to I had no business being I had no business being in Switzerland or in Germany or in India mm. nothing all my operations were in Africa but I had an amazing and this goes back to creating a very good environment my boss she let me travel. I yeah. travel a lot. And and then you get to experience different things. And now because I'm traveling for work, you now see how business is done in other places. Yeah, yeah. And it blows your mind. I tell people till today, it took me four years mm-hmm. in Microsoft to fully understand what the company is. What we see here today it barely not. scratches the surface. Yeah. Like how many people know that Microsoft does a lot of work in disaster relief? How many people know that Microsoft does a lot of work in supporting people with disabilities? Mm. How many people know that Microsoft does a lot of work in uh, preserving cultural heritage? Yeah. People just know Microsoft for Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Mm. But Microsoft does a lot. You know, you know, you're taken to an engineering center in India, um, about 4,000 people there. And you meet a team where, you know that notification that pops up, WhatsApp notification? Mm. You get a guy who works on an app like that, and there are 15 engineers whose job is to make that notification show up. Right? It's a whole different world, right? Uh, When you get exposed to, um, you're told that there are people in this campus who will work here for 10 years and never meet. Right? Microsoft HQ covers a 500-acre piece of land, Mm. 120 buildings, 50,000 people, right? What? I kid you not. And that's just the headquarters. Let's not talk about the many other offices in that state, Mm -hmm. in in Washington, Mm -hmm. or even in the U.S. Mm. It it just completely changes how you think. Now, let's put Microsoft aside. Mm. You go meet other businesses, because now I had to meet startups. You meet all sorts of cultures. You know, um, I was hearing a very interesting story yesterday about... um, you know how many how many movie theaters we have in Nairobi? There are very few. Mm, yeah. You find a guy in Nigeria who's complaining about he only managed to get his movie into a hundred theaters. Wow. Right? And to him that's a failure. Yeah, like But wow. to us a hundred theaters is big. Big, yeah, right? yeah. And so traveling completely changes how you perceive life, mm. people, things, relationship, businesses. It completely changes who you are. Because you then you meet all sorts of things. Mm. You go and meet people who are in tough situations and, and, and you learn about where, why they ended up where they are. Yeah. Or you get people who are thriving in the world that they are. Or you get to meet, um, you get to hear about jobs that you never thought existed, mm. right? And so it completely changes your world. And that's, that's the one thing I'll say that I give props to my manager for yeah. is giving me that privilege. Mm. It's, it's not a privilege that everyone has. I wish travel on everyone listening to this. Let's all travel and very soon, hopefully. And, and <laughs> let me add one more thing, especially for even people who have families, mm-hmm. get your kids to travel. If you can travel with your kids, do it. Don't yeah. ever say, oh, 
they're too young to travel. No, mm-hmm. expose your children because you, it completely changes. So I'll give you a funny example. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking to this parent mm-hmm. and they're complaining about how their kid is not creative, right? Mm-hmm. They're told to write a composition about the first time they went to Nairobi. But this kid has never been to Nairobi. All they know is their town. Yeah. So you know what they do? They replicate what they see on TV or on cartoons. Oh, yeah, because that's, that's the only thing that they yeah. go. The effect that it has on your child, be just even, forget what they learn. Just that exposure, that they understand that there's a lot more out there than what the world that they revolve around in yeah. completely, completely changes their mindset. Mm. Yeah, so... Let's all travel, right? Yes, let's yes, all travel. Let's all travel. And, and it doesn't have to be out of the country. Even yeah. in Kenya, like yeah, actually, there are beautiful so many, places. So many, yeah. so many, so oh. many. Just a few lessons that you'd want to, you've learned or that you'd want our listeners to... Uh, never stop learning. Uh, don't ever get to a point and get comfortable with what you know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it does a whole lot of disservice to you. So always push the boundary. Even when you think that you've got something figured out, yeah. push the boundary. Yeah. Ask why. Like there was a time I used to ask myself the most randomest of questions, questions. right? I'd ask myself, why does the bulb light up the way it does? Why does wind have the effect that it has? I, I, there was a time I did that so much, mm. I ended up reading entire books around quantum physics. On books, just there. Two books. Recommend yeah. two books. Um, Growth Mindset by, I think it was Carol Dweck, if yeah. I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant read. Um, shameless plug, because this book had an impact on me, mm-hmm. Hit Refresh by Satya Nadella, mm-hmm. and another one, Tools and Weapons mm-hmm. by Brad Smith. Brilliant okay. books. Brilliant okay. books. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was saying, um, yeah. read. Mm-hmm. Never stop learning, mm-hmm. because you, you'd be surprised at what you can get from just constantly pushing the boundary. That's how I ended up studying quantum physics. Mm-hmm. So I ended up studying uh, psychology. It's just me constantly questioning why. Yeah. Right? And never get comfortable with the status quo. True. And if you practice the same thing in every other thing that you do in life, you find yourself in, in very interesting things. Yeah. So, and even as a good... And life, life becomes interesting. A good example is I've been spending the last couple of months doing consultancies mm-hmm. and it took me pushing myself out of that comfort because I'd started getting very comfortable. As much as I'd done it for two months, mm-hmm. I was just like, nah, this is me getting into my comfort zone mm-hmm. and I need to push myself out there and grow beyond this because you know, there's a lot more that I can do, right? Mm-hmm. As much as I've had the experience that I've had in such a short time, there's still a whole universe out there. I mean, what doesn't stop me from going to start a whole new course in law? Right? Nothing. Yeah. I can still do it. I still am oh, young. Yeah. <laughs> you are very, very. Still, still, there's still a lot of, yeah, time. So what does the next 10 years look like or five years look like for Summit? And this is not just work-wise, all aspects. How does it look like? So 10 years for me is me still constantly asking why, right? Yeah. Uh, I used to be find that a very hard question to answer. So right now I'm pushing out myself out of my comfort zone. I mm-hmm. want to go build competencies in very specific areas. So whether mm-hmm. it's building uh, ventures, whether it's fundraising for startups, whether it's building a product, I want to mm-hmm. go and go deep into build into building that competency. So that's mm-hmm. that's my sort of what I'm doing next. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, it, it's very hard to say. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, a very <laughs> funny quote I had once. Yeah. The job of a futurist is very interesting. I can say all these things about what 10 years today will look like, yeah. but by the time we hit 10 years, no one will ever remember what I said. Yeah, and you can, true. There's no, no actually, we'll go back to Minutes of Joy, episode four, and then we'll be like, yeah, we said this. <laughs> and so so this one, we, account, we have yeah. accountability. There's no crystal ball where <laughs> you can <laughs> say, this is exactly what will happen. Oh, yeah. So, you know, push the boundaries, continue learning. We'll see where we get. Okay. Yeah. Sawa, sawa. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time to join us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I hope to be back here soon. Again. Ah, for sure. We yeah. we are doing this a couple more times, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us in this conversation and being part of this very interesting conversation. For sure, I've learned a ton. I hope that everyone has as well. Um, and tell us what your takeaway has been. Let us know what you have learned. If have any questions for Somet, you can do we plug your social media? Yeah, sure. I'll share yeah. That. So tell us where can we find you? Um I have I have a blog that I'm writing, although I need to get back to writing that. Yeah. Um I have a YouTube channel, I'm active on all social media platforms. Mm -hmm. Um and then you'll randomly see me at tech events. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm a very easy person to find. Okay. And remember to engage with our with us uh, on our socials. That's at underscore Minutes of Joy on Instagram and Minutes of Joy podcast on Facebook. Thank you, George, from Athlete Studios for production and recording and Eugene from At The Boot Podcast for co-production. Have yourselves an amazing week. And from us here at Minutes of Joy, bye! bye. <laughs> okay. This episode is made possible by George from Artlight Studios. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what you had. Okay, okay, so, uh, can you hear me? That's okay. When, where is it that when somebody tells you to talk, everything that you goes just disappears? The only it's thing that's left is mic one, two, three. <laughs> mic check one, two, it's, three. It's like when somebody tells you to sing on impulse. Oh, yeah. It's It's... Yeah, unless you're a daily performer, it's a very hard...